This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. A very happy Monday. This is Frida Liu and I have Sheila Singham here with me in our Tools for Transformation series. Now, many of us work for years with other people in the same office and regularly socialise with our colleagues after work. Yet, if asked to describe their favourite food or hobby or where they've been in their last holiday, we are clueless. Don't even mention whatever challenges they're going through in life. Uh, we can say lots about their competency in their workplace persona based on perception. Uh, that is what we see and judge. But we seldom go beyond that to truly understand and appreciate the people with whom we spend the better part of our day. So on average, we spend at least eight hours of the working day with our colleagues, sometimes as much as 12 hours, and yet we know more about the friends we may meet for a few hours once a week than these people with whom we spend the greater half of our time. So perhaps it is time to stop, take a good look at the people at work and engage in conversations that allow us to get to know them better and build the rapport that will make people feel we care about them, ultimately enhance our working relationships to create a healthy and happy work culture. So it is the last Monday of the month and we oh, and we have Human Equation found Sheila Singham uh, on Racy Games Tools for Transformation Series to speak about the need to have meaningful conversations at work and how to go about this. So, um, what do you mean when you say we need to have meaningful conversations at work? And um, yeah, okay, we we all wear masks at work, Frida. We play roles, we project a certain persona, and uh, all of these things force us to act in accordance with those masks. Okay. So it, it sort of keeps us in a sort of shallow side of life. Uh, we go to work just to, you know, fulfill our KPIs and interact sometimes very superficially with um, colleagues. To have real meaningful conversations, we really need to go beneath the masks and uh, to be willing to speak the truths as we feel them and to say the things that are on our minds. Mm. Very rarely do we do this, okay? Well, I would define meaningful conversations as good, high-quality conversations that allow us to see behind the mask that people put on at work. So they actually allow us to drop the facade, show that we genuinely care about other people who work with us, and it helps us to gain information about our colleagues, hmm. right? To to know what motivates them, what excites them, what interests them, what are do they feel their purpose is in the organization? Where do we want to? They want to be career wise in five years time and things like that. And it helps us to also know them better and cause them to feel cared for. And to feel important, right? You know? So meaningful conversation doesn't have to be a formal or lengthy one. You don't have mm. to say, "Okay, can we arrange at ten a.m. today?" Because I want to have a meaningful conversation with you. <laughs> you don't have to do that. It can just start with a simple question, right? Like, you know, what do you feel about, you know, your job and are you happy with your progress? Is there anything I can do to help you? You know, to add value to what you do, things like that. In, in toxic companies, you can tell, huh, they're usually destructive conversations that leave people feeling disconnected. Mm. But you know a company is having meaningful conversations because the conversations will create environments where workers will feel heard, mirrored, valued and validated. So okay, that's what meaningful. Conversations okay, so that's what you mean, right? And it's very interesting, right? You don't schedule meaningful conversation with so and so at ten, right? Yeah. So, no, so that's what you mean. But why is it important to have meaningful conversations at the workplace? Okay. 
People leave people and not organisations. Many exit interviews and analysis reveals that some of the main reasons why people leave and become disengaged and leave the company is because it's based on relationships at the workplace. They don't feel cared for. There are no meaningful conversations yeah. happening. There's no coaching. There's no mentoring. There's no caring. There's no chemistry. There's no trust between boss and employee. It's like I go to work and then do my job. If I do well, I might get an bit of extra bonus. If I don't do well, then I, I get you yeah. know told off, you know. So, um, so you know, at the end of the day, and I think we've discussed this early mm. in the year, people don't leave because of the bonus is not enough or, you know, they, they want to go for greener pastures. And sometimes they do. But very often that bonus actually translates into whether I'm valued or not. Whether I'm appreciated. Yeah, appreciated. Yeah. So sometimes if the company can't give that sort of bonus that's expected because, you know, the economic situation and so on, then at least if you have a meaningful conversation, tell them, look, I'm, I really value you and, and, and bonus is not sort of commensurate with how mm. much we appreciate you and all that. People should be valued above and beyond the right. work that they put in. So meaningful conversations allow us to find out more about the people we work with. Show us a different side to these people. Now, uh, this was brought home to me when I played an interesting icebreaker during one of my trainings. So I had all these people who've been working together in the same company for years and years. There were, what, 20 of them, 25 of them. And I said, okay, find a partner. And then uh, you go and find out three really interesting, unusual things about your partner that he's never told anybody at work. Mm. All right, then you introduce your partner. And so then they introduce a partner and say, this is so-and-so, uh, he likes this, he does this, he can cook, he can play the violin, he plays the saxophone. And then, you know, people are just looking at that person with new eyes and say, wow, really, uh, you're so interesting, uh, I never knew. Because to, to, to the workers, the co-workers, he's just a guy who deals with IT, you know what I mean? Like, to many people, like how exciting is finance and IT, but the finance and IT villa can actually have a very interesting life that you right. know we don't know about. So I found that um, that that was uh, you you when you have these meaningful conversations, not just about work, uh, it's about what excites you, what's your talent, you know, what what did you used to do before that you don't do anymore. So you find out that they are really interesting personalities. And it's very interesting because you, when you say that the meaningful conversations cannot need not be with the supervisor, but if you have meaningful conversations with your colleagues, it makes the workplace so much more fun. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll, I'll do, we did a very simple thing with the team, right? We know that Richard Bradbury has six guitars and I think 19 white shirts. Audrey Raj uh, uh, keeps shot glasses. Arvind Yuvaraj has about 400 plus DVDs. And uh, uh, Jeff Sandu has, uh, I don't know how many watches. So, oh yeah, they did shoes for me. <laughs> shoes, oh, absolutely, Frida. I quite agree so, with that. So we'll have this little, but you know, it makes work fun, right? Yeah. Um, and we'll have this little WhatsApp conversation. Guess how many, you know? So, yeah, and then if they want to have a show about shoes, you're an authority, right? So who better than to go internally and source the talent from inside? No need to ask anyone outside to come on the right? show. But it's these quirky things that make yes. work fun. Yes, it is. Right? And then, you know, that that's that's what we say that, you know, it allows you to... Okay, so also meaningful conversation. When you talk to each other, you find out what people really want from the organisation, mm. what they want from life, what they want from work, okay? Mm. The, a, an organisation's greatest asset is its people. Yeah. 
it's not your buildings, it's not your fixed assets and, you know, your, your the, what, how much you have in the bank. It's your people. And everybody says it, but it's always just lip service. Yeah, it's lip service. So we really need to have these meaningful conversations upwards, mm. you know, downwards, sideways, every way. You can even, sometimes you go, even go and talk to the tea lady yeah. and find out that she's working two or three jobs to support yeah. a child in university. And you go like, wow, mm. it makes your heart open up to that person. That's what meaningful conversations are supposed to do. It's it's actually making us go back to the heart of the matter, the heart of relationships with people and to stop, you know, as, as we become more uh, sort of technological, you know, as in, 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 in the workplace and everything, automated systems and all that, it's just sort of easy to just push people into the background and not be interested. But the day you take the trouble to have a meaningful conversation with someone and then this is what I would like to challenge everyone you know Frida mm. today just go and pick some random person you don't know very well and just sit down there and have a meaningful conversation hey I don't know much about you you know mm. so what, what excites you what interests you you know what, what do you like about your job what do you hate about your job and what do you do in your free time you know th- th- to just get to know someone in the organisation. Every week you pick someone, at the end of one year, you will have 52 people whom you know so much better and the camaraderie would have increased, silos would be reduced, you know. Right. So why is it that we don't have more of such conversations at work? We'll discuss that in just a moment. I'm here with Human Equation founder Sheila Singham on Racy Game. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. Before Friday materialises, BFM. 89.9. 89.9. It's only Monday. We were talking about before Friday materialises. Uh, Frida Liu here on Raise Your Game. You're listening to Enterprise. Sheila Singham uh, here with me. Uh, Sheila Singham from Human Equation because it is the last Monday of the month. We're talking about, uh, in, this is our Tools for Transformation series and talk about meaningful conversations, you know. So earlier we discussed what you mean by it, why it's important, but why is it that we don't have more such conversations at work? First of all, it's because of the masks we wear. Um, you know, we need to to have meaningful conversations. We need to have mutual trust and respect. Uh, we need to have what we call trespass, the willingness to trust you with whatever I'm telling you. And usually that's not there. Sometimes we think that, you know, revealing our thoughts and feelings about things at work could be used against us. And very often they are, mm. you know, so people don't want to say anything. I honest, Tell me honestly what you think about the company and our culture. So I come and tell you everything and all that. And then at another meeting, you know, it's thrown by, ah, there are some people in this company who think that we're this and we're that. And then you're like, hey, I thought we were having an open, meaningful mm. conversation. You really wanted my feedback, but you were just taking it, using it against me. So therefore, if you that happens, you won't be transparent in your answers. So to have a meaningful conversation, first of all, employers need to foster an environment of trust, transparency and willingness to listen. How many people do you know at the sea level who are actually like that. Now, I've encountered a few like that in my time, and it's a delight to work for companies like that. But very often when I go and do training, they give me the mid-level and executives and all that. And I say, what about your C and your C minus one? Oh, they don't want to come for training. They've got no time. Besides, they, they kind of know everything already. Yeah, know already. And actually, they're the people usually who know the least yeah. about EQ and meaningful conversations and bonding and all that. Because there are many of them in an ivory tower. I mean, I'm yeah. sorry if there's anybody who's listening who gets offended by this, but this is the truth. Sometimes because you're promoted 
based on your skill set. Skill set, but you don't know how to interact with people. Right. Sometimes you don't even have that necessary skill set, but you're promoted because of seniority and all that. So you tend to get very sort of like kind of afraid that people mm. will look beyond the mask and say, hey, why is he there? He shouldn't be there. He doesn't deserve it. So that's that. Employers need to really foster, if you really want to have meaningful conversations and people to be open and give you feedback and to improve and have that positive open culture, they need to start at the top. Mm. Okay. So another reason why we don't have such conversations is everyone's so KPI focused. You know, we don't see employees as human beings with feelings, with interests, with, uh, you know, a purpose. They, they, they want to know where they're going in the company. Come and have that conversation with me about, okay, what I can contribute, how far I can grow in this company. You don't even give me an idea of my career path with you. So that's why a lot of, uh, I just had a conversation with an organization and they said that there's large turnover, especially among the millennials, mm. because no one's telling that. And millennials want to grow fast. Mm. Okay. And they're quite smart. You know, show them how and they grow fast and, and, and they... So if you don't have your hierarchy, so like old school, you, you just have these firmly entrenched positions, create lah, new positions mm. in between the tiers and all that. Give them the title and so that they can see that they're going a career path. So sometimes bosses think that showing uh, care and concern, coming down to ground level and asking people, uh, you know, what's important to them and all that, they think it's a sign of weakness because people think, oh, I'm a caring employer, so, you know, they can walk all over me. Mm. And that's such a myth. That is so wrong, you know. Then also we have many people are wary about crossing the line between professional and work life because they feel very awkward. Mm. No, I remember this because years ago, you know, uh, I was working in an organization and someone was going through a divorce, carried on the work and all that. At some point after the divorce was true, the boss went and said, oh, your divorce. I didn't even know you were going through a divorce. I'm like, yeah, just because someone comes there with a mask. I mean, you didn't bother to ask the question, is everything okay with you? You don't bother to look. This is where observation skills, you know, you, you really need to be tuned in to people. But if you're one person who goes oblivious to, to energy and, you know, facial expressions and all that, you'll totally miss the clue, lah. You know right. what I mean? So, um, also, at the same time, right, I think you also, as an employee, tell your supervisor whatever's going through. I mean, of course, the supervisor has to do that, but sometimes they're caught up in many things. It's also the onus on the person, how they take it, how they want to deal with it. Um, but you also tell your supervisor, this is what I'm going through at the moment, da-da-da. I think there's also a responsibility. Yeah, as- there is. I agree with you there, Frida. But sometimes it depends on the culture oh, of the yeah. organisation or so. Mm. If your supervisor is like, you know, I don't care what you're yeah. going through at home, you show up at work and finish your work in an exemplary manner you know you need to separate life and home how can you separate life and home I'll tell if, you yeah I'll tell you this why I've stayed with this organization for the longest time I mean it was when I first started work and I was going through a difficult period and I, I, I told you know Malik Ali this is what I'm going through at the moment and the first thing he said do you need time off yeah right and that has endeared loyalty yeah, you know, because it was and and that's indeed loyalty for me and then you just you know that someone's got your back and then you you somehow uh, you you put in you know you yeah, I'm able to do my work and all that but he knows the situation so yeah. I, again you know that's the culture right no I understand what mm. you're saying I mean I work for my own uh, on my own I run my own business so I didn't need to go to anybody when you know I was going through a recent family crisis mm. but I was very proud of my children's employer because you know they they, they we we just suffered a bereavement in the family and. My children's employers, went, one gave them a week off and then, you know, uh, one of them said, I can't face coming back to work on Monday. 
boss, can mm. I just have an extra day? Whether it's no pay leave or whatever, you know, some people won't even give you right. the no pay leave. Say, hey, three days bereavement leave, enough. How can three days be enough <laughs> to get over a bereavement? And my other daughter's employer said, you take two weeks off. You can touch base with us and, you know, call us if anything, we'll call you, but we're going to pretty much leave you alone. And she even called and said, boss, I'm at home and I'm okay. I, I can do some work and some writing and all. And the boss said, no, 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 don't worry about it. I'll, I'll pick up the, the slack, you know what I mean? Right. So I thought, okay, there are employers like that. These are people who actually know how to deal with the millennials, but there are others who are like, three days bereavement leave is all we're giving yeah. you. So, I mean, how can you take three days to get, people take three years, 30 years to get over the death of a loved yeah. one, you know? And it's not even just the millennials, right? I think it's everybody, right? Whether, yeah. you know, I mean, you know, yes, there's one way to treat millennials, but I think everybody, everybody. deserves that respect. Yeah. How, yeah. how do you expect somebody to show up to work, mm. perform at optimum efficiency, and when all the time they are going through these feelings and just sitting there staring at the computer, yeah. why are you insisting? Where mm. is the compassion? Meaningful conversations lead you to have compassion for your people because then you begin to know what they're really going through. Some people can get over things and you can't say, hey, that one lost his, his, his uh, wife, you know, and after two months he was okay. Why you are taking five, six months? Different people grieve in different ways. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it's not just about a bereavement. It's about a divorce. It's about the loss of a job, a loss of a friend. Yeah. You know, sometimes you, you can't say, why? Your friend betrayed you. Uh. Okay, la, just cut them off and go, la, why are you sitting here and grieving for the loss of a friendship? You know, I have grieved for years, you know, because of loss of a friendship or, yeah. or betrayal, you know. Right. So, um, because it, it all depends how, how badly you take it, you know. Mm. And then, uh, of course, another reason why these conversations don't, don't take place, we're so in this business environment, which is so volatile, right? We're just so focusing on competing and, you know, keeping our market share and meeting our KPIs and our goals and all that. And so, and of course, spending days putting out fires. When you're putting out a fire, right? You really don't look at who is the the, the mm. suffering, you know, in in the in the uh, you know from the fire, from the flames, the heat of the flames. All right, you just don't care. There are some people who, like a company that's in flux, they're going through retrenchments. They they have been in the red. They're struggling to to keep afloat and make it. Everyone is there. They are fearful. Mm. They're wondering when's it going to be my turn. Yeah. Uh, you know, am I going to be able to keep my job? And then, or even that, oh, my, my friend whom I worked with for 20 years has been retrenched. I'm having a big gaping hole at work. Do we have these conversations with people? No, retrench, hello, take VSS and go. Huh? And what about the rest? Do we go and talk to the people who remain behind and say, mm. we're very happy you stayed. We're so sorry we had to, you know, tell these people to go, but it was the most obvious choice. And, you know, I, I watched this movie Billions, right? Mm. On TV, a TV series, you know, about a company that you know, deals with the stock market and all that. And it's a very highly volatile environment. They actually have an in-house psychotherapist. Right. You know, and I think sometimes companies need to consider, I mean, if you cannot afford to have a, if you're a multinational, you've got no excuse. I'm sure you can employ someone like that. And it might be a very new concept, you know, and you might say, oh, okay, it's only in the US that everyone needs to go for psychotherapy. But it's becoming like that in Malaysia. The mm. number of young people, I'm telling you, and I'm not talking about 
about working people. I'm talking about teenagers onwards who need to go now for therapy now because they're going through depression. I mean, that's another story of why that is happening. Lah. Maybe my generation of people in some way have failed them. I don't know. Mm. But they're going through it. So they need to have that therapy. Right. And also, you, if you go and just have the meaningful conversation, you will be amazed at the number of young people who are you know, seeing a psychologist or psychiatrist yeah. or counsellor or something like that. And so now it's become okay. There's nothing yep. wrong in coming out and talking about it. So as an organisation, instead of you know uh, making them go and like pay for this on their own and go it alone, you should have the meaningful so, conversation. So over 10 years ago, I mean, I used to work for an MNC and there was a service where you can actually call and be anonymous and there's someone that picks up the phone to talk about anything that's going through your mind. I can't remember the service, but within the organisation, that was what they did. Um, so that was, you know, over 10 years ago and working with MNCs. Now, how do we initiate such conversations? How do we initiate such conversations? Okay, we just go and build rapport first. Mm. All right, choose the right moment, and then start with meaningful questions. Meaningful conversations always revolve around connections. You can't just go blind, blur blur to someone like that that you never talk to in the office and say, you know, I just want to ch- share with me about your life. Tell me who you are. <laughs> the person will go like. Okay, what's happening here? No, a bit creeped out, right? So you need to have a connection and connections usually involve common ground. So start with the common ground. Mm-hmm. You know, when you ask questions, uh, make sure you allow the person you're talking to to have a chance to reveal more about themselves. Ask questions which are open-ended, not yes or no. Oh, do you like football? Yes. And then the conversation stops, you know, as opposed to... Um, who's your team? Yeah, who's your team? Or do you like sports? Who do you support? Or did you watch the, the game last week? Meaningful conversations can start anyway. They don't have to be like start with some deep question. What's your philosophy of life? People are like, huh? What are you talking about? This guy is really weird. You know what I mean? Just start on common ground with something that would excite the person and then move on from there. For example, if you've gone through a bereavement and you know someone who's gone through a bereavement, just say, hey, you know, I think you're going through something that, like what I'm going through. Want to go have lunch, you know, mm. and have that meaningful conversation. So that in a way you become the support group for each other. Right. Mm. Now these conversations, should they be planned or spontaneous? They should be either way. Mm. You know, it depends, depending on the purpose. If you sense a need in the other person for empathy or care, and this is where your antenna, what we call an NLP sensory acuity, has to be focused. La. If you see someone who's usually bubbly and all that, and then they're going through like a couple of weeks of not talking and being by themselves, don't want to go out, eat, um, then it's time to approach that person. So it can be spontaneous, all right, because you need to talk about something personal. But planned conversations can also be there, I know, mm. to, to, but you don't, the minute you go and tell something, um, can I have a chat with you? I, I want to meet you at, you know, 10 o'clock on this day. People get takut already, you know what I mean? Like, oh my God, what's going to happen? You know, are they going to tell me off about something? So you could just go plan what you're going to say right? and go to that person and say, hey, are you free now? Can I see you? Or, you know, there's just some things about work I want to discuss about the way forward and you give the person an indication of what you want to talk about. Mm. Don't just say I want to discuss work with you or your performance, you know, which is what at the end of the year, many people are very takut because of performance appraisal because we keep, 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 keep everything and then we have that one huge meaningful conversation <laughs> which actually 
actually becomes meaningless because we're just focusing on why we are not giving them the three-month bonus and why we're only right. giving them one and why instead of a like 4.8, they're only getting like a 3.8. And these are conversations that I don't call them meaningful at all. Right. Because if you had had the meaningful conversations during the course of the year, maybe every quarter or, or whenever you saw the need to, for it or just, just to have a conversation to say, you did very well in that. Mm. Now, how can we, you know, take it to take the next, it to the next level? level you know, yeah. I want to see you go up. Uh, if we had had that conversation, then appraisal time just becomes another meaningful conversation where, you know, it, it is something that is very uplifting for the person because they know that you care and because throughout the year, whatever they've talked to you about, I mean, you have talked to them about, has been for their benefit. Mm. Mm. You know, uh, very, very simple, you know, when you talk about plan or there have been many a times when someone uh, has just come up to me and said, are you okay? And I can burst out like crying, mm. right? But sometimes, you know, and how that was asked, you know, so sometimes something as simple as that, uh, you know, and they know where you're coming from, it's actually already an opportunity to have meaningful So I say it can be one sentence. It doesn't yeah. have to be like, you know, uh, one hour or two hour deep coaching <laughs> or counselling session and all that, you know. Okay, now, what are the elements that should be present for such conversations to take place though? First of all, there has to be trust. Mm. You, there has to be trust between you and that person. If you all this while have had a bad relationship with, say, a subordinate, suddenly you want to go and have a meaningful conversation, they're not going to trust you. Yeah. So you need to go back and earn their trust. You may to, need to make good first. You need to go back and say, you know, I know things have not been great between us all this while, but um, and you know, I realize a lot of it has to do with me and my management style, and I'm really sorry if mm. I've hurt or offended you or not really been there for you as a as a as a supervisor. But here, yeah, I really want to make a fresh start mm. so and, and I'm very sincere about this and then usually people will respond you know so trust has to be there rapport has to be there and then you need to have active listening skills la. you need to be really listening to what this person is saying and taking note of it not when the person is talking you are kind of analyzing and then saying what you you can feedback and how you can defend yourself if they're giving you <laughs> right. uh, like feedback about you know, oh no I've got to defend that I've got to defend this and the minute you come out as defensive yes that's it the door is closed yes. and no one's going to want to engage with you anymore. You need to have a lot of empathy and sensitivity because sometimes as you say that question, how are you doing, can just open up because you don't know a person might be just going through some yeah. fresh you know, thing wounds. in their life, yeah, yeah, wounds in their life. And then you, you talk and then they start bleeding. You've got to be like ready to take that on, right. to empathize, to even maybe like give them a tissue and, you know, mop their tears <laughs> and put an arm around them and let them sob on your shoulder. But if you're not ready for all that, you say your workplace cannot uh, like this, then don't go uh, and start, you know what I mean? But if you do, yeah. you will have a lifelong friend, mm. you know. And, and, and this is one thing that... Um, my late husband had a fantastic ability to do, you know. So I'm just thinking, my God, thousands of people turned up to pay their respects to him. And many of them said he touched our lives. So many journalists out there, you know, he would just take them on and they would come in and be yelled at by everyone and then... He would take them on and, and I had one who told me how he turned a phrase of hers, a, a, a caption of hers into uh, something that was worth printing when you don't know what she was writing. And then he loudly said, oh, that was wonderful. And she said, I looked at him and I wondered what he was talking about because it was really rubbish what I wrote. But that belief in me um, made me 
want to be a better journalist and she turned out and today she's one a highly recognized journalist so many of them veterans people in their 40s and 50s whom he mentored you know because he decided to have that meaningful conversation he'd take them out for tata rate take them out for drinks and find out what interested that even my caregiver his mm. caregiver in the last two weeks of his life right she said mom your husband touched my life because he asked me mom and what i want to do with my life and i told him and he said go for it go for it you can do anything and here's a man who was lying down sick could have a meaningful conversation with his caregiver and his nurses and people who were around him i don't know what excuse anybody else has out there for not even trying right KP Warren, huh? he was an amazing gentleman. Uh, the, the the little bit that I got to know him as well. Um, of course, you know, <laughs> uh, thanks for being with us, Sheila. Uh, talking about meaningful conversations and, of course, Human Equation founder Sheila Singham. Uh, she'll be back the last Monday of next month in Racing Game. You've been listening to Enterprise, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.